The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello. And welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 7 of Chamber of Secrets, Mudbloods and Murmurs, in which Harry has a very long day where he learns about witching world slurs, giant pumpkins, and a very mysterious voice only he can hear. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Parents outraged by Hogwarts Quidditch policy, which requires students to supply their own brooms. School claims inequity builds character. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you guys, this fucking chapter. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so much. Oh. Don't you feel like that's exactly how Hogwarts would reply? Yeah, exactly. All right, we turn to the front page, where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. And they don't belong because they're mostly just observations that we don't that don't go into a 20-minute rant about this here universe. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> or they're things that we love, although I guess sometimes things that we love go in other sections of the newspaper, but... Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about, so when we were doing our, like, Instagram stories thing, talking about, like, Hagrid being a trans woman and, like, what kinds of things in the book, like, people were seeing through a new light after the revelation that Hagrid is a trans woman, one of the things that someone said is that during this chapter when Ron is throwing up the slugs the way that Hagrid responds where she just like plunks down the cauldron and says better out than in is like peak unfazed mom vibes, I think is what they said. And I, now that we're like reading it and I'm like remembering that I feel like fully that is so accurate. It's just like 100% the like, Oh, you fell down the stairs, like, you're okay, like, you know, whatever, you want a popsicle, just, like, just unfazed, right, is exactly the right word. Yeah. It's like, everyone else gets fudge, and, you know, Ron gets to puke into a cauldron. Yeah, and she just is not, like, freaked out or grossed out or, like, anything. She's just like, yep, you're puking slugs. All right. Yeah, she is definitely the right person to have gone to. Yeah. Except for the fact that she doesn't know the charm to reverse the curse, which would have maybe been a step up. But, I mean, even Hermione's like, 
Oh man, this is tricky, even with your wand being broken. So I feel like, on the subject of Hagrid, I feel like Butch Dykes have a really excellent bullshit meter <laughs> detector, and I feel like we're getting a lot of Hagrid's Butch Dyke, you know, queer intuition about Lockhart being a complete fraud, and it's incredible. It is so <laughs> good. I drew so many hearts in my book around the parts where Hagrid was talking about Lockhart. It's just, it's so good. And like the burn that she gets in at him, where she tells him <laughs> that Harry is more famous than him without trying, is like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I mm-hmm. And she's like in such a good position for Lockhart to just like not really be able to like Lockhart can't do anything to her. Like she's removed more than the other teachers. She doesn't have to interact with him as often or anything like that. So I feel like whereas maybe someone like McGonagall couldn't get those burns in without it like making her life harder, Hagrid can totally be like fuck this dude and be really obvious about it which is great yeah i would have i would have loved less quidditch exposition and more of hagrid just reading lockhart to filth i would have just loved that i I would have preferred that so much more than our unnecessary quidditch exposition oh yeah yep there's there's a whole rant about this goddamn exposition later coming later it's bad yeah so I think we're probably going to like yell about Oliver and like his bullshit later, but I did just want to bring up, there's a lot of um, Oliver Wood, Percy Weasley uh, fanfic out there, which this chapter I feel like really exemplifies why that exists because they, <laughs> they, I mean, I think they would break up in like a heartbeat. They would just like the room would explode if they were attempting to date because they both have so much like so much going on in terms of like control and like nervous energy and like whatever but um i totally get it i totally get it this is exactly what percy would be if he was a quidditch captain yes um i feel like along those lines i feel like i feel like when she said that about them just having too much nervous energy is correct but I feel like if they gave it like 10 years and they can both be like, well, we're both really driven. So we mm. won't feel bad if we're both like really intense about our thing. And that might work. Yeah. But I feel like, right. But I feel like you'd have to get to the point where it's like, you are comfortable enough about yourself to know that about yourself. Do we know Percy's um, astro sign? Uh, let me check. I have a note where I wrote down a bunch of people's astro signs. Yeah. I love how I can just Google that. Um, August 22nd. Is that Leo? Is that a Leo? Or Virgo. Virgo. When I feel I feel like he has strong Virgo vibes, so I hope that is a Virgo. But he might just be on the cusp also. Cusps aren't real. Really? From everything that I've read, any astrologer worth their salt is like, you're either one thing or the other. You can't be like bridging the gap because they're just two separate things. <laughs> so who knows? Anyway. I just am surprised that Percy's not a Capricorn, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Because I feel like him and Wood both have sort of like they're a little too intense, anxious for Capricorn, but they do sort of both have that, like, I made a plan, let's talk about the plan, like, everything is sorted, sort of, like, Capricorn vibe to me. Well, so, uh, Percy is a 
Leo because Virgo starts on August 23rd and he's born August 22nd. Mm. That is wrong. That is the wrong birthday for Percy. Percy is not a Leo. <laughs> no way. No way. Wow. I'm a little offended. She usually was more careful about birthdays than that. Huh. All right. Well, yeah. moving on. What's your next one? Just going back to Hagrid's garden. Um, I love the giant pumpkins and I want one. <laughs> and like, I also just want you to imagine Hagrid, like, talking to them encouragingly while she like waves her like umbrella over them to make them get bigger yeah that's very sweet because she totally does and i love a giant pumpkin i'm like this is great i want to i want to sit in a giant pumpkin this is a magic this is like the only magical thing that happened in this chapter that's like (laughs) enchanting and awesome is like yes giant pumpkins just a brief note that i have that i'm really glad that hedwig's still mad at harry (laughs) as she should be (laughs) yep What's what you have next? I like our bit of foreshadowing about Ginny here, kind of like buried under like, oh, LOL, Ginny's coming to look for Harry when it's like, no, Ginny is coming to murder Hagrid's roosters. And then, of course, I immediately <laughs> thought of that Ellis and Chains song about, you know, come to snuff the rooster. And I'm like, that's what she's doing. <laughs> um, amazing. oh god oh god we have to make i'm gonna make a thing i'm gonna make something for socials if you're not following us yet now you have to at the gaily prophet get on it oh my god i can't wait holy shit i want to stop recording and go make it right now (laughs) i was like i was like driving to work and just like cracking myself up thinking about that that's so funny i'm like crying Uh... (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yes, my God. Yes, listeners, I spent the entirety of my high school years being a angsty teenager listening to all of the alt-rock. You know what's really funny is that, so that song is from, like, the mid-90s, and so that was, like, when other kids were listening to, I don't know, like, oldies with their parents or, like, pop. I don't know what they were listening to. Like, that's what my dad listened to. And- <laughs> So that song is like, takes me back to being five. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) Sort of related to my other point about terrible alt rock, uh, or good alt rock, whatever. Uh, I feel like the words that the Basilix is saying just sounds like, I don't know, like a nine inch nail like lyric. Like, when you paused, I was like, Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> like, immediately in my head. <laughs> oh, my God. What is it? Like, let me rip. Let me kill. It was like, let me tear you. Let me... I don't know. It just yeah, sounded like... come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. That is... Oh, my God. I have so much work to do. <laughs> Let me fill you from the inside. Right? (laughs) Oh, God. I have so much work to do. I got so many memes to make. (sighs) Uh. I seriously, like, my mouth hurts from smiling. My teeth hurt from smiling. I am, like, I want to just, like, start doing this right now. (laughs) This is 
is why you all need to donate to us on Patreon. You have no idea how much time I spend making this podcast and all of the accompanying things that we put on social media and on Patreon. Yes, give us your dollars. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay. Are you ready? So, when the reveal of Draco as the new <laughs> Seeker is 
so drama gay. <laughs> it totally is. They like part. Here's what I imagine. So they're like your new seeker, and the Quidditch team parts down the middle. So they step aside to create a corridor through which Draco emerges, throws glitter in the air, and goes, "It's me, bitches." <laughs> Yes, that is exactly how that scene has happened. Yes, and it's, of course, Slytherin colors, glitter, emerald and silver, just raining down. Mm -hmm. (sighs) This is the best front page we've had in forever. I love this chapter. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, How do so many funny yet terrible things happen all in one chapter? We've finally gotten into the good part of this book, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's cool that, like, the Quidditch locker rooms, like, everyone can hang out in there. I really like that part. Yeah, I like that, too. I mean, which is still... I mean, it is great, but I still like confusing about the whole, like, charm on the, you know, girls' dormitory staircase. But Yeah. Whatever. One thing... So, in the... Um... In the Percy Jackson books, I really like that the cabins are not gendered. And then I also noticed that the rule is just that no two campers can be in a cabin alone. There's no, like, nothing gendered about it. It's just, like, you can't have only two people in a cabin at a time, which I think is really rad also. And, like, definitely sort of, like, seems like a direct maybe a direct answer to like what the weirdness that is here in Harry Potter surrounding that. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm reading those books as my like fall asleep books now, but I don't actually like them. (laughs) I like, I don't not like them. Like I think they're cute, but like I finished the series and was like, wow, I read all five of those books without developing any fucks about any of these characters except Nico who I would die for. I'm like, <laughs> yes, little baby goth, son of Hades, like, you are everything. Like, I imagine Nico in, like, full Hot Topic parachute pants <laughs> with, like, the straps everywhere. Like, I am obsessed with Nico. But all the other characters, I'm like, I do not care. If you died, if they had killed Annabeth and Rachel and Percy, all of them at the end of the books, I'd have been like, okay. As long as Nico's okay. <laughs> That's all I care about. You know, there is another series after the original series that I feel like Nico is prominently in. Really? Yeah. Okay, I gotta look that up. I'm on it. So. Anyway, we should probably get back on track. Did you have another front page No, thing? I'm out. My one last thing is why did, like, no one summon breakfast for, like, the entire team? <laughs> like, they're up at, like, dawn and no one's eaten anything? Like, the fuck? The yeah. fuck Wood? Wood is a, is a very bad um, team leader in that respect, for sure. Like, you you definitely, if you get everyone up at the crack of dawn, you have to provide donuts. It's the law. Right. All right. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school. This goddamn school. Just... So, like, 
<laughs> I feel like every book they're like they like you you get revealed how much more like just corrupt and just ridiculous everything about Hogwarts is. Yeah. Um and this is the, even us getting into all of the like unchecked bigotry. But like Mm-hmm. You need a wand to do magic. Ron has a broken wand for an entire school year, and no one like helps him. Like he maims Flitwick, and it's like, do they not have a box of wands somewhere? Like the school's a thousand years old. Is there not one in the Lost and Found? That's a very good question. So. I mean, it's. I don't get the impression that Ron has told anyone that his wand isn't working because he thinks he's going to get yelled at or be told that it's his own fault that his wand isn't working. But like, you are correct that it's like endangering not only himself, but other people. So like, as we see at the end of the book, when you like give someone permanent brain damage, like, well, I mean, he damages himself. Like he tries to do like some kind of complex curse and then curses himself. Right. Yeah, no, it's like a really, it's bad. You're, yeah. Other things that are bad, four hour long detentions that begin at 8 p.m. I mean, Ron's is four and a half hours long. What? That, midnight? Right. What? Anger and feelings and like. What the fuck? I mean, we know they don't care about these kids' sleep, but like four-hour-long detention. Yeah, I I did some I did some rough math. So if Harry gets up at like six a.m. of this day of this chapter, mm-hmm. he's up until midnight. He is twelve minimum midnight because I mean he goes he gets out at midnight, has to walk all the way back to the common room, and then like decompress presumably and go to bed. He's still up when Ron gets back at twelve thirty. Yeah. So, yeah, you got, like, maybe five hours of sleep. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. And, like, Ugh. unnecessary. Yeah, again, like, why, why aren't these attentions taking place during the day? Or, like, in the morning? Like, like why? Like, after school. I mean, isn't that when detention happens, is after school? You, like, leave yeah. your last class of the day, and then you go to detention. And then you take I mean, the late bus home after detention. I guess it makes sense since you're at a boarding school, but it's like, if I'm a professor, I don't want to be, like, spending my Saturday night, like, doing this shit. I want to, like, drink some wine in the teacher's lounge and talk about how terrible Lockhart is. Like, yeah. <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't these at a reasonable time of the day for everyone involved? Yeah, no, it's bad. Yeah. yeah, it's real bad. That's not how you treat children. <laughs> no, it's not. Yep. Though I guess the tagline of our podcast could be, this is not how you treat children. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> All right. That actually somehow is my only education point, so. I have quite a few because I'm, so many ridiculous things happened in this chapter. <clears throat> so Hagrid mentions that Lockhart is, like, the only person Dumbledore could find for this position this year, which is bullshit. And considering how fucking... Like, you might as well have not have had a teacher. You could have just had them read a book about defense, and they would have gotten more of an education than, like, having him teach. So I'm just like, find, like, some, like, 29-year-old from, like, 
France, he just is like, I'm going to be here for a year, and then I'm going to go back home. And then it's like, done. Oh, yeah, like an internship. Stop right. having it be a permanent position. Yeah. That might like, be a way as... around uh, the curse, too. Where right. it's like, and this I mean... isn't really a teacher. We didn't really hire them to teach the class. <laughs> They just—they just volunteer. Right, exactly. They're doing uh, this for college credit, which <laughs> fuck unpaid internships. I do not endorse an unpaid internship. If you can't pay your intern, you can't afford to have an intern. Shame yeah, on you. Because yeah, I mean, Dumbledore is clearly aware there's a curse, mm-hmm. and like, especially for the years where it's like, oh, Harry might have to fight the Dark Lord. Maybe you should have a competent teacher to teach him these things. Like, right or what if it was just like one of the other teachers was like subbing in so like i don't know if dumbledore was like i'm just gonna like i don't know have a defense against the dark arts mandatory club like i'm sure there's like way many creative ways to get around this goddamn curse yeah so you wouldn't just stick with someone like lockhart who was a literal fraud right like he can't teach any, anyone anything because he hasn't done anything besides wipe dozens of people's memories which yeah. is like a l- very illegal yeah. i would maybe uh, <laughs> how do you make something illegal well i guess lots of things are illegal that the government does all the time irl so never mind i take it back <laughs> strike that from the record uh yeah so my next two things are just in our, are basically one point which is okay that lucius can buy the Slytherin team new brooms is a travesty. And I think we'll probably talk about this more also in like slor- in slorts. <laughs> it's, it's sports. Um, but I'm just like, how how is this how is this allowed? And just like it, I'm sure the I'm sure the Board of Governors is very corrupt because Lucius Malfoy's on it, and they probably just like there's a loophole in this bylaw for hogwarts i can just buy these kids some new brooms totally i mean i yeah there's definitely no policy that would prevent this from being possible but it's like super fucked up but yeah i mean we had this in sports who cares we're talking about it let's just talk about it um why there's nothing fair about the fact that they have to supply their own brooms like that's not how sports work like you have standardized equipment it's that's nonsense that's like so that's so biased in favor of kids with money and like it 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 just it just doesn't make any sense especially because it seems to be the case that like however well you fly if your broom can fly faster than someone else's broom especially when it comes to like being a seeker like that's an absolutely unfair advantage and and i am irate like why is this why is this allowed? Yeah, I. I mean, it doesn't make any is, sense. The school is corrupt. That's <laughs> why it's allowed. Yeah. Um, but but corrupt or not, it should just be like 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 common fucking sense. It's like we have sports teams. We provide the equipment for the sports teams. Like every if it's like money, that's the issue. Like everyone rides a goddamn clean sweep seven, like whatever. And no, of course you can't buy your own goddamn fucking broom. Like that's absurd. That's, that's not how it works. No, that is, that is definitely not how it works. And then, yeah, like we saw like in book one, this, that like ridiculous, like school brooms. And it's like, why? 
Like, literally everyone in the country is an alumni of Hogwarts. Like, you don't, like, you don't, like, someone can buy some fucking brooms. Right, exactly. And that's how, like, private schools work, right? Is, like, donations from, like, alumni. And if, like, if there's definitely, like, kids from Hogwarts who have gone on to join, like, the Quidditch team, the, like, England Quidditch team, and they would totally donate to Hogwarts and, like, donate new brooms to Hogwarts and then, like, get written about in the paper because it's good publicity if you're famous. So, like... Right. Or even, like, a used Quidditch broom is probably going to be, like, way faster than, like, the old-ass, like, school brooms or, like, whatever, like, however many back... You know, brooms that, like, Fred and George have. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that George totally does buy brooms for the uh, Gryffindor Quidditch team after he becomes rich. Um, is this your headcanon or something that you... No, th- this is this is my headcanon that he does. He buys he buys the brooms for, like, because he's like, I don't want to go, like, you know. He had, this, he had this happen to him. He's going to buy the Gryffindor team new brooms. Um... They might do some weird stuff, though. Like, occasionally trail, like, multicolored fucking smoke or something ridiculous. Like, you know. Adorable. Anyway. Which, of course, I... would be allowed, even though it would, like, totally fuck up the game and the other Yeah, team. I mean, it would, but it it's, would. like, right. Uh... What, are, what are rules in this game, really? What are rules at this school? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, there really aren't any bylaws. Let's just do whatever you want. No. Don't murder the kids is, like, the only rule, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Uh, anyway, I guess we should probably just go on to sports then. Okay, do you have other last. education points? No? No, that was it. Welcome to the sports section where we talk about Quidditch. We reluctantly talk about Quidditch. <laughs> Begrudgingly, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, my first one is, why do they supply their own brooms? What the fuck? And then Oliver needs to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) This guy, like, come on. Who makes people look at diagrams at 6am? Don't do that. That's rude. Don't unexpected. Like, if you're going to have 6am practice, tell people the day before, you know, so they can be ready to, like, steal some extra dinner rolls to eat on their way out like bring some coffee just do this right my dude like this is a very bad job that he's done and i am angry on everyone's behalf right or even like you're in the common room friday night let's go over these diagrams while you're still awake and tomorrow morning we're gonna go out there we're gonna do them all right exactly and like when you're not sitting on like locker room benches too would probably be a better time to talk about your squiggle diagrams like yeah this is he needs to calm down yeah yeah he definitely does need to 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 chill out a little bit (laughs) i'm just so curious so part of conflict in this chapter is that like he like booked the practice space on like a schedule and I'm like I don't understand why that matters. Like you're in the air on a broom. And I get it, you probably wanna have the mm. like the the hoops to throw stuff to, but it's like if the Slytherins are gonna use the Quidditch pitch, 
you could just fly somewhere else and like make some like fucking lit up rings in the sky. Like you don't like you don't have to. No, because they're like practicing their like their strategy. They don't want the other teams there watching them practice their strategy. I disagree with you on this one. No. But Snape should not be allowed to overrule the fucking schedule. Like, if any teacher can just overrule the schedule any goddamn time, like, Snape would just, Snape probably, it's like, oh, that's when Gryffindor wants to schedule? Like, psh, no, overruled. Right, which probably, happen, which probably happens a lot. Exactly. But also, if the person in front of the schedule is fucking Hooch, who isn't even fucking here when she should be, like, why are they having practices where there's not a coach like, there's not an adult there. She's having like, a lion. She's clearly always having a lion. Yes. And doesn't care about the schedule, which is like, you have one job. Right. And you do, and you do none of it correctly. Zero. At all. Yeah. She's like, but I have yellow eyes like a hawk. My last point is... I don't know why this bugs me. How do the stadiums work in the books? Mm. Because I never liked the stadiums in the movies because they're like 80 feet in the air, which makes sense. But like in this chapter, like Harry and Ron are like having a conversation from the pitch and they like come over pretty quickly. So it's like in my brain, they must be like on the ground, like regular, like if you're like at like a... They are on the ground because Hagrid at some point comes up behind the stands to talk to Ron and Hermione who are sitting at the top of the stands and Hagrid's standing on the ground. So that means that the, I mean, the top tier is 12 feet tall. So. Yeah. Which doesn't actually make sense if you're watching a game that is taking place for the feet in the air. No, it makes no sense. You're just staring into the sun. That's what I said. You're just staring at the sun. That's all you're watching when you're watching Quidditch. You're just harming, irreparably harming your eyeballs. It's such a bad plan. Yeah, I mean, I just, I hate the the tall wooden bleachers in the movies. And I'm just like, I don't know why it irritates me, but it does. But it also doesn't make sense to like, right, be looking into the sun while you're watching. So like people play this sport. No. there's there's no good solution. Yeah. Uh, there is. Don't play Quidditch. Don't watch Quidditch. <laughs> oh, man. I would, like, literally never watch Quidditch. Uh-uh. I would just be like, oh, man, this is, like, snack time and getting the good seat in the common room time. Fuck yeah. Definitely. Yep. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And it's finally time for our very first installment of Filch Human Rights Violation Watch, which I have been waiting for. Pew, pew, pew! (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Now you're locked into that. You have to do it every time. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fine. I love making that sound. (laughs) All right, great. (laughs) Okay, you guys. Look, here's the basis of Filch Human Rights Violation Watch. Filch is a squib. Filch cannot do magic. This dude's a jerk. He, by all means, like, I don't have a lot of love for Filch, but the things that he is expected to do are absolutely, it is deplorable that you would have a fucking goddamn 
essentially muggle who can't do magic responsible for cleaning your castle especially when you have a hundred goddamn house elves which is its own issue but like they can do magic and like allegedly enjoy cleaning like why is this his job why is it his job to polish the trophy room when someone else could just literally point a wand and do like a scouring charm and like clean the whole thing in five minutes there's nothing okay about the treatment of filch and it makes me so upset yeah i uh we'll definitely be having this conversation for the next couple of chapters too where it's just like but why um and yeah it's just like it definitely feels like there's some element of like where would filch go if he didn't have this job but it's also like this is does not seem like a healthy environment for him at all and he shouldn't be at hogwarts doing doing this job that seems like right like he has a mop in a bucket but it's like everyone has fucking it has a fucking wand and he seems to be required to be awake like 24 hours a day also and he doesn't get to sit with the teachers like who knows where filch eats like in the dungeons alone like there's nothing well, okay I mean, about his treatment yeah he's either the hall monitor or the janitor you can't make him be both of those things and he absolutely should not i mean he shouldn't be the hall monitor because he hates children but he shouldn't be the janitor because he's a muggle like it's a castle you require an entire team of servants to maintain a castle like ideally well compensated servants however a lot of people and this is one dude and it's like oh you have to make sure the kids are in bed but also you have to like polish the trophy room and also you have to like like clean up the like muddy there's a point where fucking dude has the flu and he has to like clean up the mud in the hallways like that's like that's like literally next chapter great i'm mad about it I'm so mad about it. Yeah, it's... it, Yeah. So, yes. This is an, our newest... This is our newest segment. Yeah. So, <sighs> it is It is pretty terrible. And it's like... Well, yeah, his cat is his best friend because fuck everyone else in this fucking castle. Like, yep. And everyone's so shitty to him. We never see a teacher being nice to him. Do we ever see anyone being nice to him? No. Except maybe... I mean, allegedly, maybe Madame Pince... Because the kids think they've got a little something going on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And this children is how one goes about having empathy, even for people one does not like. (laughs) He deserves basic human rights, despite the fact that I find him despicable. Yeah, no, he is treated real, real terribly. Oh, wait, Mm -hmm. you know who does like him? Umbridge. Oh, yeah, that's right, she does. Mud blood. Do you want to get all the politics out of the way before we get into that one so that we can just, like, rant about that for as long as we need, or? Um, the only other politics thing is really more of a, like, a PSA for me. So, one of the ridiculous things that people on the internet say to sort of, quote-unquote, refute the fact that Hermione is black is that she blushes. Because <laughs> she turns, she, she's described turning magenta in this chapter, and I'm like, Black people can blush. Like, a various skin tones can blush. I just want to get that the out there. the silliest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, it is a really ridiculous and infuriating. Um, and just, so, yeah, just look, general PSA for everyone out there. I'm flabbergasted right now. What a thing to say. 
I mean, racism is a hell of a drug. But yeah, I mean, it's very ridiculous. But also, like... Yeah, uh, um, that is... that. That's, uh... Not... That's not happening. <laughs> We've officially stric- stricken that argument from the roster of arguments. Which I feel like goes right into our uh, discussion about witch bigotry. Alright, so. let's do it. Um, um, just a really quick, like, off the bat note. I feel like it's weird that they don't call it the M word. Like, I feel like it's weird that, like, Ron just says it. If it's as bad as they're making it sound, I, we, I don't, we don't. So, I actually have some thoughts about that in which, so, <clears throat> I feel like I've, like, shorthanded say, like, wizard racism, but I feel like the way that, the way that the blood purity stuff functions in the books is actually, like, a very, like, it has elements of, like, racism and, like, also elements of sort of, like, homophobia. Um, so I feel like you really, you really couldn't use the blood purity thing as, like, a, like, a one-for-one comparison. Which, I mean, you shouldn't do that anyway. Like, you can't, for example, one-to-one compare, like, homophobia and racism. Like, you can't do that. Um, people try to, and it's, don't, don't do that. But I feel like regardless of if it's like homophobia or racism either way it seems like it's a bad enough word that it should be like even though i'm like just telling hagrid what malfoy said ron should have some sort of like replacement for actually saying the word out loud like they won't even fucking say voldemort's name and they've come up with 75 different ways to not say Voldemort's name, but they don't have a code for, like, not saying mudblood? That seems silly to me. Yeah, it, it it is it is very weird, and it does sort of make it... I feel like that's part of the reason why... Right, it's, it, sh- it, should, it should seem like whenever anyone says mudblood, that it should have the same response for whenever Harry says Voldemort. And everyone's like, how dare you? Right. You know? Yeah, and I feel like part of it is just sort of like... It, like, it's presented as, you know, JKR trying to create a, like, like a, like a terrible slur that's like, oh, you, you don't say that in polite company or, like, whatever, and, like, you shouldn't say that. But, like, the way that people respond to it being said is just never at the level that I feel like if she wanted to have that emotional impact, that, like, the way the characters respond to it isn't, it doesn't ever reach that level, I guess. You don't think so in this be- chapter? I mean, in this chapter, yes. I feel like throughout the rest of the books, not so much. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. No, you're um, totally right. Yeah. I feel like I want to talk more about this, but I feel like I don't know if it's actually relevant to this specific chapter. Besides, I guess, the beginning of, you know, sort of the... I mean, obviously, we're getting some, like, you know, bigotry with this, like, you know, blood purity shit in book one. Mm-hmm. And so, like, having it sort of, like, come to the forefront, like, in the second book is interesting. Especially considering, like, you know, sort of tying it together with, like, Voldemort's whole endealment being about, you know, wanting to create a pure witching society, even though, like, he himself is, like, a half-blood person. 
it's like JKR tried to combine like racism, homophobia, and like anti-Semitism into like one thing to like create her villains, mm-hmm. which I mean is effective in the way that like Voldemort like is evil, but he is evil in a way that feels very real. Well, right. I mean, he's basic. He's just like based in Hitler, who was all of those yeah. things. The fucking Nazis like destroyed so much queer history. They sure did. <laughs> R.I.P. to our queer history. Um, yeah. Setting us back literally decades. Like, upon decades. So, the centuries. Like so the fucking centuries. far. Yeah. So, yeah. He, I mean, that's basically like, that's just, he just is that, right? He's like, yeah. Yes, all of it. <laughs> Give me all of yeah. the shittiness. I will take it. Which honestly makes it weird that Hermione is like, I have not heard of this word before, when this is this kind of bigotry is literally the basis of Voldemort's first war. And like Hermione should have read this. Like Hermione reads too much for her to like not be like, Oh wait, there are like people don't like muggleborn people, all of a slur about it. Like I thought that'd be a thing that she would have picked up on before. But where would the, where would she get Hogwarts. those books? Like they're not going to be in the Hogwarts library, not in the unrestricted section. I mean, I don't know. I guess, and I guess this is to say that this is another reason why Muggle studies should be a mandatory class is to sort of work through this, at least in a very superficial yeah. way about being like some people think that Muggleborn witches are less than, and that is messed up i mean i think she knew that she just didn't know that there was like a swear word and the way that malfoy says the word you get the impression that he is like even he knows that he's crossed a line there's something like very true to like being 12 in the way that that's described where he really is like you kind of see him being like making that decision of like i'm gonna do this thing that like i know is like really fucking bad and like I'm, like, you know, in this circumstance where I've, like, built up the, you know, whatever to spit this out. Also, he is surrounded by six burly Slytherins. Right. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, I guess I do have to appreciate that it is, like, the beginning of book two, basically. And it's, like, being magical doesn't mean that there isn't this kind of ridiculous, like, bigotry over something you literally can't control which is who you were born to <laughs> you know yeah it's like i feel like i've definitely read some fan fiction that has sort of explored the idea of where purebloods might who maybe weren't like kill all like muggle-borns and muggle people would come from is sort of a like pure like this idea of like pure blood which has had like a culture like a traditional culture that's been going on for however many hundreds of years and that like you know these young folks come in and they're just like don't know how it works and they're just gonna fuck it up and it's like you know like i feel like there's a lot of like it's a you can i feel like throughout the bush you can you can get that like pure like pure blood culture is its own thing and it's very like traditional and very much like maybe things have not changed really in a really long time yeah it's very like we send our kids to cotillion and like finishing school like it's very richard and emily gilmore right oh young young ladies don't play quidditch it's not exactly yep 
yeah. Uh, this will not be the first time we dive into <laughs> into this. But no. my last politics is actually like in sort of the like debriefing in Hagrid's hut about what all of this means, and just that they use Neville as an example of like why blood status doesn't matter, and fuck that, like Poor fuck Neville. that. I yeah. right, like leave him alone. One and two, it okay. Talking about it like that is is in. It feels like it's like validating the idea that there are good and bad ways to be a witch, and yeah. like places value on like power in the same way that. Malfoy is placing value on power and he's associating it with being a pureblood. And so the argument of like, oh, the pureblood thing is nonsense. Look how powerful you are, Hermione, and look what a fuck up Neville is, is Mm. actually like not the right way to have that conversation at all. Yeah, it feels very much like putting a lot of emphasis about what you can do with your wand which feels also very a very patriarchal way of looking at it. So I think I actually just figured out an analogy because I was trying so hard to figure out an analogy. It's like the argument about vaccines where people are like, I won't vaccinate my kids because vaccines cause autism. And like the argument vaccines don't cause autism is actually a super ableist argument. Whereas the argument should be like, no, they don't. But actually the point is, what the fuck is wrong with being autistic? Like, autistic people right. are, like, valid... Like, that's a valid way to be, like, a great, worthwhile, legit person in society. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with being autistic. And so to talk about, oh, blood purity is nonsense, anyone can be powerful or not powerful, is ableist. That's what it is. No, it, to- it totally is. And especially because it, like, it definitely devalues what... Neville's abilities that are really powerful and amazing that don't require a wand. Like, he's good with plants. That's an excellent fucking skill to have. Like, why Like why the fuck are we discounting this? Like, that is an excellent magical skill to have. Right. There are to just be, lots of ways to, like, be a yeah. person and, like, yeah. be valuable, which is just, like, by being a person who doesn't suck. So, yeah. like, I'm, I feel relieved that I figured this out because I've been trying to think about it for, like, a really long time and it it wasn't coming to me so yeah so now we're like bringing a whole new aspect into this where we're like it's magical racism but it's ableist to, not talk, to talk about i mean i mean it kind of is because it is very focused on like a certain kind of magical ability that seems like it sort of just is either you have this like sort of like raw innate ability to like use your wand well or you don't mm-hmm. maybe you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that it shouldn't matter because you're like a fucking witch. You're going to lose me 150. That's fucking awesome. I don't know. <laughs> then it doesn't matter because so, you're a person. Yeah. Like, who gives a fuck if you're like good or bad at magic? Everyone's different. But, but, I, but I think it comes down to that to kind of go back to this. It's like the ability be, to be good at magic and to do magic is the only thing separating witches from muggles. And it's sort of like, if you don't put emphasis on that, like if you don't have that binary to like 
you know, to sort of grasp onto, then it's like, why are you treating muggles differently? Like, correct. Yeah. Why are they I mean, treating yes, correct. muggles differently? Yes. So, yeah. So yeah, um, binaries are shitty, and there just shouldn't be the international statue of secrecy. Agreed. So because it clearly just creates this sort of intention in the witching world. Right. So now that we're you know done ranting about things, let's go to editorials. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. But not as heavy stuff as in education or in politics. Right. Uh, Lockhart. Lockhart. (laughs) Fucking Lockhart. AKA this fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) Just... I, like, wish I had this level of confidence to be, like, I'm going to tell everyone how to fucking do their job. Do you? I mean, no. No, you don't. Everyone would hate you. You don't want that. It's not lack of confidence. It's lack of douchiness. But I guess just, like, maybe the, like, lack of shame. Like, he Mm. feels no shame going to every professor who has a field that they study in and are good at and tell them how to do their job. It's just like the unmitigated gall of it. It's like, how are you not consumed with shame? Yeah, no, I feel you. I do I do feel a certain level of respect for like certain kinds of, yeah, just like gall, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is still terrible because... The patriarchy. <laughs> yes, the patriarchy. <laughs> <sighs> And everyone hates it so much. And it's like, does he just, like, walk around, like, looking for situations to insert himself into to be like, oh, hello, I have an opinion about this. I'm just like... I mean, he's not creating a lesson plan, so he has a lot of time in his hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... Oh, man. I feel like this kind of person is like interacting with this kind of person are the moments in which me having like so much Scorpio in my chart really pays off for me where like if I need to I can send the most intense like get the fuck away from me vibes and that like I'm super good at just like staring at someone with like what is happening right now face on until they go away and I feel like that's a real skill set to have with someone like Lockhart where like anything that you say just makes them want to keep talking to you so just being able to like look at them like what the hell is happening right now is like the only way to get them to be like I'm gonna go I feel suddenly very uncomfortable (laughs) I feel like I need to practice that um (laughs) it's nice oh my god Coastfire Astrology posted something about having a Scorpio moon on Instagram today. And it was like a like text message, quote unquote. And it was like, Scorpio moon, what do you mean I'm intimidating? You can feel comfortable around me. What's the most pain you've ever experienced in your life? And I was like, <laughs> fuck off, Coastfire Astrology. <laughs> Yeah, people are really good at those astrology memes. A lot of them are very relatable in a very uncomfortable way. 
I know. But that's like literally how I make friends. I'm like, if you can deal with that for me, then we are best friends. Like <laughs> that's that's all I need. Spill all of your secrets to me within the first five minutes of meeting and don't be afraid of me, even though I look really fucking scary. Great, we're BFFs. <laughs> Professor Lockhart, do we have anything else about the audacity of this guy? I think just, I mean, I don't think so. Besides having a literal child address the envelopes for his, by hand, for his fan mail? Like, is there literally not a spell for that? I mean, I guess if he's having him in detention, but... And it's, like, there's no way he would allow it to not be in his, like fucking fancy curly handwriting so this actually is like a nonsense detention because you know that he's rewriting all of those envelopes later yeah probably he just wanted to like talk at harry for four hours Mm -hmm. um which transitions right into one of my other editorials which is that they're doing this from 8 p.m to midnight which are the dark hours by candlelight no no which confirms our like do they have magical light sources at hogwarts question no they don't they're doing this by goddamn candlelight it is too dark that is not that's not good don't do that that's and i mean harry already has glasses his eyes already aren't great like squinting at an envelope by candlelight is not helping him much. I feel like I've read that like reading in the dark isn't as bad for your eyes as people act like it is, but it definitely will make them tired. <sighs> yeah. I'm I hate it. Anyway. <laughs> What's your next editorial? Uh I just want to yell about the brooms. The brooms coming out every year is a scam. It's exactly like iPhones. Yes. Like what what can you be improving them? Like, how are you... Like, I don't understand, like, why a Nimbus 2001 is better than a Nimbus 2000, which is better than a Firebolt. I'm like, how much could you have done in a year? Because, like, all right, so cars come out every year, which is also dumb. But, like, there's a lot more shit going on in a car for you to, like, make improvements with to make, to make slightly more sense. Right. It's like an iPhone. It's like, oh, we have, like, slightly slimmer bristles on the broom. Like, like What? yeah it is i feel like brooms are like cars they depreciate the second you take them off the lot yep uh my next note says wow 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 colin (laughs) oh my god colin Colin, my friend stop he just won't oh my god poor fucking harry and harry is overly nice to him in this chapter when it's like like, so Harry gets up at, like, 6 a.m., and Colin's like, hey, I heard your name. It's like, what? Why are you awake? What is going on? Yeah. I, it's funny because Harry is a Leo, which I also actually don't really think that Harry is a Leo, but his, his tact is, is very un-Leo. The way that Harry humors him, I feel like, is not. We should find out what his moon is. I actually was just thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do you think we can look that up? His moon is in Pisces. That is exactly what I was going to fucking guess. (laughs) I should have said it. 
Oh, God, that makes Harry make so much more sense. Where is Ron's moon is not here. Hermione's a double Virgo. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Great. This is... That is a a lot. That that makes total sense, though. Yeah. Why doesn't this have Ron's moon sign? I don't understand. Is it almost like it just has everyone's astrological sign? Yeah. Anyway, we gotta stay on track. We don't have that much time left. All right. Mm, yeah Colin we gave a lot of love to Colin in the last episode and I kind of want to take a little bit back this episode where I'm like still have a lot of respect for you but like buddy you're crossing some boundaries like yeah he needs to like tone yeah he needs to tone it down he really does yeah what's your uh, I don't have any more editorials. My last one is about the Quidditch exposition. Oh, okay. Which is just like, oh yeah, again, what a waste! What a waste, what a waste of everyone's time to have that in this chapter. <sighs> they do it. She does it every book, where she's like, "Oh, I have to explain how Quidditch works," and like J.K. Rowling, you suck at exposition. I don't know how you can explain quidditch with exposition in a way that's not awkward yeah you probably can't maybe i i I, mm, yeah it just is it is it is not it is not good it's this is so such an uncomfortable conversation to read isn't it true harry that the seekers the most important player on the team like it's so we it's yeah it's just like yeah exactly okay all right so health and science yes welcome to the health and science section where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science we need to talk about wizarding photos which i actually tried like briefly before we get into like the real shit I meant to talk about a couple episodes ago and then we got into like the music thing and I forgot to come back around to it, which is just like Harry going into Ron's room and Ron's walls being covered in posters with moving people on them makes me want to have a panic attack. Like, why would you want that? Why would you want that? It's like having TVs on, on every wall of your room all the time. I can't even eat at a restaurant where they have like a TV on in my eyesight without getting too distracted to talk to whoever I'm talking to. So if there were like people all over my walls like doing shit, I would never be able to have a conversation. Like hashtag ADHD problems, but like <laughs> that would be so awful. I would hate it. Yeah, I would I would not do that. Also, I feel like I just feel weird. I'm just like, are they like watching me? Like, I don't know. It just feels real weird which if it's portraits yes they're watching you and now we have to talk about if it's photos are they what's going on here it is actually very weird like i don't understand because right like so they move but they also are like responding to things happening outside of and inside of the photo it's like what does that mean before before now before this like thinking through of it i always thought it was just sort of like 
more like a gif where it was like whatever the mood was in the moment of the picture being taken that was sort of just like what was going on but actually that that doesn't make any sense right because like harry is like harry in the photo is hiding outside of the photo and Lockhart is trying to pull him into the frame which is not what was happening when the photo was taken and then later when Hagrid no Moody is showing Harry pick a picture from the original order he tells people in the photo to get out of the way so that other people can be in the forefront and then Someone spills water on Percy's picture of Penelope Clearwater and she hides outside of the picture and won't come back in because her, quote unquote, her nose has gone all blotchy. So they have consciousness? Question mark. It, it seems to like be an, like almost like an imprint of like like your mood at the time and so then you're responding still in that mood. Like Harry... If, like, Harry isn't, like, literally trying to leave the frame, but, like, Harry would do that in that moment. But it's also, like, how? Like, how? But, no, because that doesn't make sense. Like, if that was the case, why would Moody be able to, like, point at a photograph and be, like, move aside so that Harry's parents can be in the forefront of this photograph? Hmm. He's communicating with the people in the photograph in that moment. And Penelope is responding... To something that has happened to her photograph. Someone spilled something on it and she's... Photo Penelope is embarrassed about her image having been damaged and she's hiding. I feel like the ethics of this seem very troubling. Right? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could it could be a thing where a lot of these things is like, you know, J.K. Rowling using it for, like, the plot, but also, like, yeah, like, the larger implications of, like, is there, like, a bit of your consciousness that's been taken by this photo? Like, what? Like... And it's it's not consistent throughout because, like, the photos in the newspaper, like, they, they use, like, shady-looking pictures of Hagrid to, like, demonize Hagrid, but, like... If the photo had consciousness, Hagrid would just, like, not look shady. You know what I mean? He'd just be like, heck yeah, I, like, did illegal breeding of the manticore and a whatever. Like, it was great fun. But that's totally at odds with, like, Penelope Clearwater being aware of the fact that her photograph was damaged and, like, hiding. So, we, there, it's not... I feel like you couldn't have any kind of photos in your bedroom if you were, like, having sex or masturbating. It'd be, like, no, nothing that is looking at me in the bedroom. Like. Right? Like, I kick my dogs out. I'm not gonna, like, have fucking, like, pictures and portraits that can, like, communicate their thoughts to me about these things. Like, uh uh-uh. Yeah. It's very, it's very troubling. It is. It's really troubling. <laughs> and also just like, why do they want these things? <laughs> like, muggle, muggle cameras are fine. They're fine. We don't need 
conscious versions of ourselves trapped on paper. It's too weird. <sighs> yeah. Not every not everything has to be conscious. That's all. Like, why are so many things conscious in the witching world? Right. Like, they don't have to be. <laughs> Welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast where we're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> also ethics and why? <laughs> yes. All right. I love that. I wish that I could like somehow translate the fact that for the last five minutes that we've been talking about this, you've just been shaking your head the whole time. I wish that, that could be like somehow evidenced in the in the podcast i'll have to get like a short video of me just like shaking my head and just being like welcome to corrections where we correct stuff so this is not actually my correction but uh we have a guest a guest correction from my partner evan and this goes back all the way to chapter whatever the heck chapter flourish and blots is as why was Malfoy even in Borgen and Burks? Why didn't he put stuff in his vault? Yep. Like it does not. It does not seem like it seems like Gringotts is like a complete separate entity from the government, and it seems like they cannot go in there. So it's like a lockbox. It's like the perfect place to hide your shit that would get you in trouble if your house was raided. There's he would never sell it if he could just lock it up in his vault. Especially since. Bellatrix has the other Horcrux in her vault where it should be. Right, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of this book, a lot, a lot of this setup, he can't. But Lucius can't put it in his vault for plot reasons. Basically, <laughs> yeah. But that just like makes the plot not make sense. Like when Evan pointed it out, I was just like, "Yup, that. Yup, that's not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The plot of this book." just not so much yeah all right so our final segment yes welcome to dear hedwig our advice column today's letter dear hedwig i am unwillingly famous for something that i really had nothing to do with and it is a source of ongoing discomfort for me Recently, an overzealous, though well-intentioned person has become, for lack of a better word, obsessed with me. He's younger than I am, and I can tell he means well, but his attention is really overwhelming. I've tried to give hints that I'd like him to back off, but he doesn't seem to notice. This isn't someone I can avoid. We live in the same dormitory. So what can I do to get him to leave me alone? I don't want to hurt his feelings, but I can't keep living with him following me around. Sincerely, not a fan of fans. Letter writer, I I do applaud you for not wanting to hurt this person's feelings, but you have to set boundaries with them that this is not okay, because this is not okay. <laughs> you can't let this can you, like you ha- you have to you have to confront this head on. Being sort of like passive aggressive about it by dropping hints isn't even if they were picking it up maybe they are and they're ignoring it but you just you just have to you have to sit them down and talk to them and just be like you have to stop this yeah i feel like anytime you're using the word obsessed like you're in a situation that's beyond hinting and this is the kind of the kind of behavior that can escalate honestly and like i feel a little bit worried for you if you don't do this and like 
I don't want you to end up in the situation where you're having to like file a restraining order against someone that you know it sounds like you're young you you live in a shared space like that I that sounds very complicated and I don't want that for you yeah boundaries boundaries are great set some boundaries and I mean I would also suggest that so you say you live you live in a shared space if there is anyone that you can inform that this is happening um, maybe you want to bring in like a mediator or at the you know the very least if it does escalate you're you know you having some kind of idea of like what the next steps could be yeah definitely document that you've like had conversations make sure that anyone who is in a position to like perform an intervention is like aware of what's going on that's definitely i you know you do say that he's well-intentioned which i think is promising hopefully it won't escalate and hopefully that's not something you'll ever have to worry about but i think it's definitely a situation where you should just like sit down with them and say i really appreciate your excitement about me and I understand that it can be really overwhelming to be around somebody who is kind of famous but I actually am not comfortable with it and like don't really want the kind of attention that you're giving me and it's like if you care about me the way that you're saying you care about me the best thing that you could do would be to back off and not do this anymore that would that would be great and Letter writer, this is something that you are going to have to say to this person over and over again. And so it might be good to kind of like have some scripts. Like if you're going somewhere and this person approaches you, you can just be like, nope, like I am going to class. We're, we're not doing this. And then kind of like keep, you, you can you can be direct and firm with them. And you should be very direct with them because, you know, kind of be like, oh, well, you know, not right now or... Um, you know, maybe later just mean that they might come find you and you could just be in this sort of cycle for a while. So I really want you to sort of practice just, you know, saying like, no. And, you know, really affirming like your boundaries. Yeah, I think as I've told you, I'm not interested in having this conversation. I'm going to go to class now, you know, just very very clear about what you are and aren't willing to tolerate if you're fine with saying hi in the hallways and you're not fine with being photographed or being interrogated about your life you can just be very clear about that like here's exactly what I'm willing to engage in with you so I will say hello to you when we pass in the hall or in the common room, but I'm not going to answer any questions about my life and you absolutely don't have my consent to photograph me and you you may not follow me to places that you aren't already going because you need to be there, for instance, the lunchroom. And just and just be really explicit so that if they if he does end up trying to follow you somewhere, you you have that. You've already said that and you can just say as I've told you, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to need you to leave me alone. Exactly. Yeah, no, that is very good advice. And um, 
good good luck letter letter writer. It is very unfortunate that people will get sort of sometimes fame sucks, and especially if you don't, if you just want to live your life and just like have a private life, and people think that you somehow owe them things when you don't. Uh, yeah, and I think the other thing is it can be very uncomfortable to to let down someone who you can tell isn't having ill will towards you or doing anything to make you uncomfortable intentionally. It can feel like make you feel really guilty to disappoint them. And I just really encourage you to like reframe it as opposed to like, I'm disappointing him to like, I am taking care of myself. (laughs) Right. Those are exactly very different. Those are very different things. Yeah. You don't have to take care of everyone. Letter writer. (laughs) You sure don't. (laughs) And you should, you should never put yourself in a position where you are like, constantly uncomfortable or put off off kilter just because you don't want to hurt someone else's feelings like that's not that's not good or sustainable yeah and good luck we 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 definitely wish you luck thank you for listening to the gaily prophet pro tip listeners that song that you heard in this episode has a music video that went up today on Patreon for all of our patrons. So if you want to join us on Patreon, you can see the music video that I spent entirely too much of my time making. It's so, really great. Thanks, Jesse. It's, so, like, it's just like being at the golf club. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, if, if you needed more of a reason to follow us on Patreon, now you have it. So just... <laughs> Go, go over there, uh, check it out, enjoy it. If you'd like to support us, you should definitely share the things that we post on social. We are on uh, Instagram and Facebook at The Gaily Prophet. You should tell your friends, and we'd really appreciate it if you did, because we put a lot of love and energy into our social media. Uh, you should definitely, if you have not already, rate and review us on iTunes. We are still running a contest for 50 reviewers is our, our goal. Uh, we'll, be give, we'll, be raffle, we'll be giving away uh, stickers and one lovely person will receive a t-shirt. So definitely leave us a five-star review. If you, would, if you want a sticker before then, you can buy it on our website. We have a merch shop where we have mugs and postcards and stickers and t-shirts and all manners of cute things that you should give away as gifts or buy for yourself. Other things that are on our website besides our amazing merch are like letters to the editor space where you can get in touch with us that you can also email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com. If you would like to keep up with me in between episodes, I am on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. You can find me in between episodes at my website, which is larkmalakai.com, L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com. You can learn about all the myriad things that I do, including my healing work and also my trans competency trainings for healthcare providers, for which you can nominate your healthcare provider. You can also find out about our podcast there, but you already know about our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You can also follow me on socials at Lark Malachi and at Radical Healer, both on Instagram and nowhere else because I hate Twitter and I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> um, our spoiler warning is by the very talented Sarah Sarwar. Our show art 
and Lovely Comics are drawn by Theo Julian Forrester, and his information will be in the show notes if you want to check out more of his stuff. Our music is by Kevin McLeod. Until next time. Adjunct. One drop rule. Stalker. Glitter. Wow. You're killing it with these (laughs) outro words. Thank you.